This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and even on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. We welcome you to episode 139, 139, getting close to 150 here. Could that mean a return of our guest from episode 1 and episode 50 and episode 100? Some of you know who that is. It could mean that. Conversations have been had. Uh, We thank you for being with us again. Great feedback on last week's show with Desha Gerald, part 1 of Purpose After Pain. And she did a great job of describing what happened that day with the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers. And she talked about bridging the gap and a lot about what her family went through after the loss of her husband. This week, she's going to go deeper about the divisions in our community. And she's got some thoughts about some of the elected officials in our town. You or in Baton Rouge, depending on where you are. And she will be very candid about that. And she's going to talk about a very purposeful event. And I can tell you because we've already had the conversation. I'm recording this open after we've had the interview. And even I didn't see that one coming. It was a genuinely funny moment. And so I encourage you guys to uh, to listen all the way through. And hopefully there are parts of this on the back end that uh, if the kitties are in the car, you might want to hit the pause button and be able to finish it by yourself. It's not, it's not vulgar or anything. Let's just say it's, it's, it is for perspectives above a certain age. I'll just leave it there. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but I also think that's probably a heck of a teaser to get you to listen to, huh? (laughs) And on next week's show, a returning guest who will be marking the milestone that is just ahead, and I don't even know if I'd call it a milestone, let's just call it a moment in time that's ahead, and I'll tell you who that guest is going to be after our conversation conversation with Desha Gerald, and uh, that is next. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. John, for our listeners who are in Houston right now, who are really dealing with the aftermath of Harvey, they need to give you a call. They really do. Um, the, the big question is, you know, how long do I wait before I can start, you know, remediation, yeah. removing everything? Yeah. But, 
the thing you need to do right now before you do anything is apply a product called Sterifab. Okay. And you may be wondering, well, why would I do that before I remove the sheetrock? And that's to prevent it from becoming airborne and for you inhaling it. Wow. So it's more of a health risk than anything. Okay. So we're looking at two products, Sterifab, Boracare. The manufacturers have worked with us. We're offering 20% off on that. So give us a call and let us figure out how much you need. Let's give that number a couple of times. 225-273-4788. Again? 225-273-4788. And we'll help you figure out how much you need based on how much water you had and how much you're going to treat. Make the call today. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Desha Gerald, who has not missed an opportunity to pick up where she left off last week. Busting my chops already before we get started. And without going into details, I walked right into one and she was <laughs> she was waiting on me. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's why I say my favorite ginger. She doesn't that's miss a spot. We, that's why I love you so, so much, So Clay. you did the we did the part one and the feedback has been unbelievable. Uh, I know that people were anxious to hear your thoughts, but what's your reaction to all of the love that you got from people? I was actually um, pretty shocked and grateful because I was kind of a little nervous about that. You could kind of go either way, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, it was positive. People said you spoke your mind. The, the story about what happened with the NFL, I think for a lot of people, was very eye-opening. Yes, and not just the behind-the-scenes details of what happened, but your intentions, I think, I think that that's what grabbed a lot of people, is you were trying to actively build a bridge. You know, people say, well, let's build a bridge, but no one takes action. Right. So someone's got to be the first one to extend a hand for there to be a handshake. And you guys doing that in the way you did it and talking about how your daughter kind of warmed up over time did anybody say anything to you about that particular part of our conversation same the same kind of you know concept beforehand you know hey I was concerned about that you know I can't I really didn't you know necessarily want you to do that yeah. but I respect you know respected your you know your choice and mm-hmm. I completely 100% backed up why you were doing what you were doing mm-hmm. so you know they supported me in the endeavor type yeah. of thing was there anything, because we're going to get to a lot of different things today, and we, we'll even plug an organization that you're a part of as well, but is there anything from last week's conversation that you wish you could have added that you didn't get in, that you couldn't get into? And obviously, we've got time to do it today, but something that you want to add to something that was said last week. Well, I mean, just if anybody knows, the, for the people who know me know this about me, one of my hugest pet peeves, don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> Do I have a huge issue with making a statement and not following through? Yeah, that is like, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. so with that being said, like I said before, the day that I stood on that podium in my church when we had the memorial services for all three of our officers, mm-hmm. I made a promise to everyone listening that day, whoever it may have been. Mm-hmm that I was going to continue to bridge the gap and to continue to try to get this division that we have going on, especially in our inner cities, Mm -hmm. in our city itself of Baton Rouge, to try to get us all back, you know, on the same page to the days when our first responders were the most respected people in the world. Right. Because it's important. It's a necessity. Yeah. And, I mean, I want my kids to have a legacy. Sure. I don't want my kids to grow up in a world of hate. Right. So I'm going to do my part. I made a promise that day. Mm-hmm. And like I said, 
because I'm a woman of my, you know, I don't like people who make promises they don't keep or yeah. don't follow through. Yeah. You're going to continue seeing me do what I can, when I can, how I can to continue to make, you know, for a progression in that. I think it makes, I think it does make sense. It, it makes a difference for this going forward. So before we get into some of the other stuff that we're going to catch up on, I, I do want to give you an opportunity to talk about this organization that you are working with now. Yes. So Behind the Line Louisiana um, was formed for various reasons, mm-hmm. but Brendy Richard um, contacted me months ago, you know, and we had our, a moment and she was like, if there was one thing that you were missing as a spouse when something like this happens, what is the one thing that, what piece to the puzzle is missing for you that, you know, that could have been changed? And basically in a nutshell, I mean, when your husband or spouse or brother or sister or whomever decides to join the police academy basically you i mean the police force and become a police officer you join it you join that force with them the entire family the entire family has to stand up because your whole life changes regardless if you wanted to or not right and i knew and i knew no one like it was just by god's graces that the week before my husband got killed that i had become happened to run into or become friends with one of the other officers wives but that was really only because we have a common friend. Like we have a mutual friend that we didn't know we had. Okay. She had gone a friend. She had gone to school with one of my best friends from one of the widows. No. Oh, just another just officer's another wife. wife. Okay. Yes. Yeah. She went to nursing school with one of my friends that I grew up with from my hometown. Okay. One of my best friend from third grade. Right. So, I just feel like that there's some groundwork that needs to be laid out. That you know there's some things that could be done differently. Mm-hmm to prepare a family, to prepare people for what they're about to walk into. Right. So long story short, going forward, you know, we hit the pavement running. You know, we have, um, you know, of course we have the core members who kind of just handle all the, you know, all the things that, you know, fundraisers that are going on and, you know, all these type of things. Right. But just for everybody out there, if if you have a police officer, whether you are a brother, a sister, an uncle, a brother, you know, mom, dad, whomever, if you need support or you just have questions or you just need somebody to help, you know, you to clear clarify something for you or whatever, you know, look us up. We have a Facebook page. Ask away. We'll do the best we can to help you in any way we can, no matter what it might be, whether it be a, you know, health need or, hey, a financial need. Because just know this, a lot of your officers, regardless of who they are, they're not mm-hmm. going to ask for help even when they need help. Right, right. And we don't know that there's a, you know, that there's a need unless somebody tells us there's a need other than the obvious, you know, when things go bad and, you know, like for, for instance, St. Louis right now, yeah, all the stuff going on in St. Louis. Well, our, the group that is, you know, like us in St. Louis, Miss Kelly Lowe and all that group out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they didn't have the, you know, the group that they have, you know, for support for their police officers. Sure. You know, I, I will tell you this, that, um, and I, I thought about this before that the, the videos from St. Louis for me makes me even prouder of Baton Rouge. And I have explained this to people that before the feds released their decision, their findings in the Sterling case, Everybody thought Armageddon was coming here. And I never really bought it. I got, the, I got the preparation on behalf of law enforcement because you have to hope for the best, plan for the worst. 
Right. And you don't know what scenario is going to play out. Right. But for me, I didn't see it last year. And the majority of the trouble caused here was caused by people who weren't from here. They came into our town right. to cause trouble. And Correct. I know that there were people who were in town again for the decision. But I didn't think and I still don't think that people here have a taste for what we see in St. Louis. And so I, I remember speaking to people after the decision was made and people were upset. And I said, well, wait a minute. The town didn't blow up last year. Quite frankly, there was less than two weeks of protests, if you really want to think about it, because the protests didn't last very long, because not very long after the the incident with Sterling, we lost these officers. And then at that point, people wanted to back away from this incendiary atmosphere. And um, political stuff has brought that back, and we'll get to that later on, but St. Louis and seeing what's happening in St. Louis right now, which is horrible. Horrible. But we didn't have that here. And I think while we often spend so much time thinking about the critical and the negative, we also have to not gloss over the positive. And that's not saying to be a a Pollyanna or put your head in the ground and think, oh, everything's wonderful. The world is gumdrops and lollipops. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if you want a full picture of a community, you can't just look at the negative. Is that unfair? It is very unfair. So because it is something that people do and we agree it's it's not a fair thing, I think the right thing to do is to say, you know what? Prayers with St. Louis, but boy, am I glad that's not us. At least knock on wood right now, that's not us. Your thoughts? Well, that's that's hard for me to, yes, prayer to St. Louis, but my heart is with them right now because yeah. I know as a wife yeah. what it's like to watch your husband walk out the door no question. strapped up yeah. and he may or may not come home. Yep. She or she may not come home yeah. and to have to look at your kids and say goodbye and not knowing if that's going to be your final time or not. So the St. Louis thing for me right now is tough. Because it brings back because the it thoughts, brings yeah. back to you know mm-hmm. the, it's it's more of a personal emotional you yeah. know aspect yeah. for me, yeah. but at the same time, sad as I hate to say it, but those times are lurk, lurking for us in the future as well. Well, I mean the potential the potential is, is always there, right? But I just don't believe I until I'm proven wrong, which you know, as life goes, you you learn, you live and you learn every day. Right. But I don't know that people here have a taste for that. I mean, not just the protesting aside. I mean, it is what it is. People protest for various reasons. They're protesting immigration legislation now, protesting healthcare legislation. Everything right now. is so protested. Pro- but it's not the protest part of it. It is the violence the with violence. the protest. That's the yes. part I'm talking about. Yes. The kicking in storefront windows, burning cars in the middle of the streets. Uh, we 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 had people who were here last year, not from here, throwing bricks and frozen water bottles at cops. Yes. Okay. And then there were other people who were from here and a part of those protests who were trying to discourage that and it got out of hand and you know some of the inside stories about some of the outsiders who really wanted this to become violent right and it didn't happen correct so just you know quick observation about st louis let's talk about these and and before we move on too much give the people again the name of the organization behind the line louisiana Behind the line, behind the line, Louisiana. All right. Yes. Let's talk about these divisions. So, since last year, everybody and their mother 
has an opinion about cops and the hood. Absolutely. And some of the discussions are extremely productive and intellectual, and the intention is to build a bridge, right. as you say, and, right. and make no mistake about it. There are people who see the need to do this work and who want to be invested. Yes. However, the discussions that often get covered are not that. Right. Your thoughts. I am not a person who likes politics. Never have because it's nasty. <laughs> it gets ugly. Yes. And again, when I hear a politician speaking, all I hear is Charlie Brown. The <laughs> want, want, want. Because here's for, here, you can tell me all day long you're going to do something. But until I see it, yeah. until I see action backing yeah. up the words, yeah. you don't have me in your corner. And that's just, that's just how I am. All right. So I try to stay away from politics as much as possible mm-hmm. because I don't like them because they're nasty and it's ugly. I think most people feel that way. So negativity, getting a lot of, you know, radio time and TV time yeah. and media time, yeah. it, it infuriates me because there there are good people in this world and sure. there is good things happening. Sure, sure, sure. And I would, lo- you know, all of us, would love to see that versus seeing the negativity. Right. And a lot of people are getting to the points where they're sick of it. They're sick of looking at the negativity. Mm -hmm. They're sick of all of it. And they want something to be done about it. It's just going to take the right politician, God Mm -hmm. forbid, or the person who's in authority or Mm -hmm. somebody who has the balls and the backbone Mm -hmm. to stand up for what's right and for the positivity and to help get the movement moving forward, so to speak. So... When you hear people say, I'll give you an example of of how sometimes things can be misconstrued. I don't know how she feels today because I haven't spoken with her in uh, literally months. But not long, I think it was not long, not long after the incident with Alton Sterling, Sandra Sterling was here. I didn't know she was going to be here. I was doing an interview with someone else and she asked him to tag along and I walked out to the lobby and there she was. So we came in here and we spoke about this and I, I, I believe in direct questions. So I did ask her point blank. Do you think the Baton Rouge police department is racist? She said, no, that's what she said. She said, no. And again, like I said, I don't know now, because we hadn't spoken, but that was then. Now, I say that to say that there is work to be done, but some of the work isn't about differences as much as it is about common ground. In other words, I don't think we all should be the same. No, we would be bored. But I do think dialogue helps and and here and here's something that that and I'll take this further and then I'll give you a chance to respond to all of this there are police officers every day who are in communities volunteering and who have formed relationships with families and kids and these guys who are always in trouble know some of these cops and they they do have a rapport it's not talked about a whole lot but they do have it and then there are there have been bull moose, knuckleheaded cops. And I've got friends who've said, you know, yeah, our institution isn't perfect. Like, no institution is perfect. Nope, nobody. But right. when we find these guys, you know, we try to make certain that they're doing something else for a living. Right. 
So what about the understanding aspect of this? The, the best thing that I can say about that is it all goes back to you're entitled to your own opinion, but show respect. Yeah. You expect respect and mm. you need to give respect. Absolutely. Bottom line, you don't have you have you you have an opinion and your opinion was formulated however it was formulated. Sure. Your right to you you have a right to your own opinion. That's why we live in the United States of America. That's yeah. why it's a free country. Yeah. But at the same time, be able to sit in a room with someone who, who you have a different a difference of opinion with mm-hmm. and still respect that person's opinion sure. and try to see things from their perspective. Being an adult. Be an adult. Yeah. Put your big girl panties on, your big boy panties on, and have a... Well, maybe not your big boy panties, but... but uh, you know what you know, I mean. You know. But at the end of the day, let's let's have some productive conversations that yeah. actually have some, you know, meat, yeah. so to speak. So what, what, do you, what do you think is the biggest cause of some of the divisions? Really, you want me to go there? It's the leadership that we have in the city of Baton Rouge. It's, it's the ones who don't have the backbone or the balls mm-hmm. to be able to work both sides. You're entitled to Explain. your opinion. You don't have to like a certain group, mm-hmm. religion, creed, whatever, yeah. but you still need to show respect. Okay, talk about Bottom that. Bottom line. Oh, here we go. So I'll speak to, uh, this is a personal, has nothing to do with race, color, creed, religion, but... Uh-oh, you know when the sentence starts that way, uh, it's... Uh, you're about to hear the whistle of a bomb dropping, but go ahead. I'm take a deep breath because this is this is not, yeah, I could get angry really easily. But if you can't even have the audacity to stand within two feet of a widower at a particular function when you're speaking at a function, and we're here, you know, trying to celebrate the lives of our spouses and, you know, trying to put this horrific, you know, situation behind us. But you have better things to do, like texting and talking oh. to other people while this is happening. We all know, you know, you've you've made it loud and clear where you stand with the whole police thing. And initially, I tried not to be a follower of all that, and I tried to give my least this this person the benefit of the doubt but when you stand beside me at a function like that and you do what you did i lost all respect okay 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 Uh, pull pull the pull the bubble wrap off so what what because not everybody is privy to what you're talking about so what so in louisiana um there was a brotherhood ride which is a um I don't know if it's That's a, a thing that raised about $16,000. Yes, it's a yeah, fundraiser. Yeah. Um, they've had one for Texas. Yeah. There's been several of them across, you know, the country. Yeah. Um, so this was a Texas, this was the Brotherhood ride. They yeah. rode from Texas all the way to Louisiana on a bicycle. And we yeah. had some of our Baton Rouge officers who rode in this particular fundraiser. Yeah. We had a ceremony at BRPD headquarters. Okay. Um, to honor you know, all the guys that they rode for. It wasn't just our three that they rode for, but it was for some of the Dallas guys and, you know, Matt Montreal and Brad, of course. So we're all at this particular situation. And if anybody, you know, does a little bit of research and, you know, looks at the details and, like, how much work and dedication goes into being able to participate in something like this, Mm -hmm. it's a huge thing. It's a huge, it takes a lot of dedication. And for, and for me as a spouse, knowing that one of my husband's 
you know, teammates or just a police officer, you know, who really may not even didn't really even know him that well, you know, supported him in Montreal and Brad was huge to me. Yeah. So here I am, myself, my kids, my, you know, my in-laws and my, you know, stepmom, you know, we're all there. Tanya, you know, Trinisha, the whole, we're all there having a ceremony. Sure, sure. We've done the Pledge of Allegiance. We've done everything. You know, all the key speakers are, you know, speaking their piece. Called Abity gets up on the podium and he's giving his speech and the man has tears coming down his cheeks. Yeah. Here I am as a spouse and it just so happened that I'm standing up instead of sitting in my seat yeah because traffic was bad for me to get in and trying to wrangle three kids i didn't Mm -hmm. i got there pretty much right on time as the ceremony was starting yeah and i didn't want to slip into my seat because i know that it's being you know you know filmed yeah and i just didn't want to you know be disruptive so to speak i didn't even realize who i was standing next to initially but I'm sitting here, you know, listening to Carl Dabity, you know, whatever. I'm looking around my surroundings and I'm taking it all in. Sure. I look to my right and there's Mayor Broom. And she's on her phone. So I sat there and I watched. Now, how do you know she's on her phone? Because I can see her. Oh. She's close enough to where I can see the screen of her phone. Yeah. And she's obviously texting someone back and forth. Yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, Desha. Stay calm. She might be doing something work related, like yeah. just chill. Sure. But in that moment, I wanted to tap her on the shoulder and say, excuse me, but can you put your phone away just for a second? Because we're trying to honor the men of, we're trying to honor all of our husbands and yeah. all the people who died in the line of duty. Yeah. Can you just like stop what you're doing for two seconds and just give them the respect that they deserve? Like them or not. Just respect the fact that there's widow, we're here, you know, like we've had to walk this walk all year, regardless of where you stand on the situation, could you at least just give them a little bit of respect? Give us some respect. You want us to respect you, you respect us. And that was noticed by a lot of people because there was a lot of chatter about a photograph that was moving around. But you're saying you were there. I was there. I was standing within a couple feet of her and I could see. And in that moment, honestly, like I said, the good Lord said, no, ma'am, you're going to, you don't make a scene. Don't make a scene. It's going to get taken care of on its own. It's, so I took a deep breath mm-hmm. and as pissed off as I was, yeah. and I was fuming, I stood there and I just watched and I prayed for her the entire time I was there rather than paying attention oh, to wow. what I was paying attention for. Yeah. Because this is a leader of my wow. city of Baton Rouge who's supposed to be helping bridge the gap. And the way out from what the from my perspective, she's not helping. So let's let's talk because you make reference to the mayor having made clear where she stands. Yeah. Define that. And then what actions, in your opinion, has she taken that would lead you to believe that she is anti-police officer? Well, I mean, the biggest thing, you know, from Straight out the gate during election time, she came out, you know, attacking Chief Call Dabity. And I'll be, I told her when she was here on the show, and I've said it since that I, I disagreed with that. I, I, I didn't think that was the wisest, the wisest thing to do. And I remember when, she, when the mayor was here, she said she had made some promises that she was going to bring, bring about change at BRPD. And we disagreed about it. For me, 
it didn't have to be the way that it was handled. Bringing about change is great, yeah. but I, why the chief? Yeah. Why one particular? How is taking one particular human being who, don't get me wrong, everybody has their faults and nobody's perfect? No, nobody's perfect. Which, by the way, for me, is never the barometer about any person or anything. P- perfection is impossible for human beings. Correct. But there's other areas sure. you could have started with sure. rather than there. Well, and and even if your plan is to long term have because Chief Dabity was going to he, he was in he was on the back nine. He was going to be retiring he at some point. He was getting tired. So transitioning and after the year he had, yes, transitioning the man was out, exhausted so like I do everybody think that, else. I do think they could have worked together to come to listen, they would have ended up where we are right now anyway. Correct. He, he would have retired. He would have retired without all of this tension in the city between these two uh, these two positions. Absolutely. And we would be right now in the midst of hiring a new police chief. And now, of course, the specter of negativity hangs over whoever gets that job because whether they're great or not, and I'm not going to cast aspersions on anybody, but you and I both know the person who comes in is going to have the taint of what just happened over them. But anyway, let's, let's not chase that rabbit yet. Yes. Let's go back to what you think. You, you said the first thing was Chief Davity. So that alone is the, is the, you're nodding. So there's more. In the very beginning, like I said, I don't follow politics. I'm not into the politics. Sure. From the very beginning, there were rumors surfacing that she was anti-police. But again, like I said a little bit ago, I tried to give her the benefit of the day. Like, I tried to not follow that rabbit trail and to, you know, only go off of my own personal experiences, you know, things that I know were factual. Sure. Rather than rumors and, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So... The whole election thing happened, you know, and all those things happened. And then, you know, the chief, the you know, chief, the whole thing with, you know, chief came about, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that was hard for me. But honestly, for me, what what put the ice on the cake for me as far as that goes is one thing and one thing only. It was that one particular day that she stood beside me at the Brotherhood Ride and had the audacity to disrespect my husband, you know, not only my husband, but all the other officers that we were yeah. there to celebrate that day. Let's say. That have- is the sole reason. And some people are probably going to, you know, think I'm insane that one incident. But I honestly, I really tried to give her the benefit of sure. the doubt. Listen. And there was other little small nitpicking things and, you know, whatever. That I could tell you that because we've been in the same room and we've circulated in the same circle. Have y'all ever and talked? been to the same functions? Absolutely not. Y'all have never had a conversation. We, that, and that's, I, I mean, and even that's, before then. No, and that's the thing I don't understand because that's another thing. When something as tragic as what happened in Baton Rouge, everybody in Baton, everybody, there's a lot of people who know myself, Tanya, and Tanisha. Mm-hmm. I, for one, for whatever reason, because I have red hair, I guess people recognize me over the, you know, the others. Yeah. yeah. Because I stand out. I have red hair, you know, that kind of thing. I, I, well, I, Trinisha's black. They notice her, too. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, for me, the red hair <laughs> Just calling help. it like it is. Yes, I mean, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, from, yeah. it just, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Um, with that being said... She walked beside me one day in Toys R Us mm-hmm. with her, I don't even know which, I guess her, uh, whatever, security you, her detail. security detail yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah, And she looked me dead in the face and didn't even speak to me. And I let her walk by me 
Now, you do, are you sure she knew who you were? That's the point that I'm trying to make. If okay. you're going to be a mayor of a city and they just had a whole tragedy, mm-hmm. then for sure you need to make sure you know the faces of the three women who just went through hell. That's fair. Plain That's and fair. simple. If it was her husband, I would I would make sure, I would make damn yeah. sure yeah. that I knew her face. And yeah. if I saw her, I would make sure. If I, if I was in, an, uh, in a position of authority like yeah. that, I would make damn sure that I knew her face. So you can offer thoughts so, or condolences. Or absolutely. Something. Regardless, again, of where you stand and whatever side you stand on. What do you think she can do to fix some of the divide that's going on right now? She's going to have to shut her mouth and she's going to have to show up and she's going to have to do some work. Like? First of all, before you can start dismantling a police department, you need to carry your tail to the police academy and you need to put some boots on and you need to hit the pavement with those guys and let those, those, those men and women. And you need to put yourself in their police units and see what they do in a day it's because you have no clue. You have absolutely no idea what those people do. And these are the same people that, God forbid, one day you're going to need them. Yeah. So you need to be careful what, what, what chalk line you walk. As it relates to the inner city and what's going on there, and I, I have actually heard both sentiments. I've heard sentiments from people who are thankful that cops are there because of all of the trouble that they're having. And they don't want the police department to abandon these neighborhoods because if they do, all hell is going to continue to break loose. And then there's the other side of it where people see police as a quote-unquote occupying force. That they come in and treat everyone like criminals. They talk to everyone like criminals. They're aggressive in their behavior and all of that. So I've heard the dialogue from both sides of the coin. And yes, both sides do exist. What do you do? What you need to do is you need to stop playing one side of the card, regardless of your personal opinion about mm-hmm. it. You need to get your hands dirty, and you need to pl- you need to physically put yourself on the other side so you can see for yourself what's happening on that side of the fence, yeah. rather than only what you hear say. Yeah. It's that simple. See, I believe... You want respect? Give respect. You don't have to like them, but you still need to learn how to respect them. I believe a little bit of what's happening here is so often this discussion is driven by people who benefit from the division. Absolutely. And I don't think... Look, do cops make mistakes? Absolutely. Lots of people do. We all do. And when I've had... I've known five chiefs here in town and the last uh, two of the last three. And obviously Pat Inglade with, with the the foundation that I was a part of for so long and with Jeff LaDuff and even talking to chief Dabity that they fired cops and they've talked about that. They, They fired cops who did not do their job or who went over the line and they wanted them gone because they didn't represent what they wanted the department to look like. Absolutely. And they've been always been honest about that. I mean, I've, I've never had a problem with or never had them show an issue or be defensive when I've asked them questions about that. But I think this, this dialogue now about the relationship is 
counterproductive because it it pits one side against the other. Absolutely. And you can't come to a solution that way because in that scenario, one side has to win and the other side has to lose. If it's if it's me versus you in a competition, obviously I want to win. I don't want to lose as opposed to saying you're part of the same team. Absolutely. And law enforcement is not there to be social workers. No. They are there to keep the peace. Yes. They're officers of the peace. And when there are problems in communities, when officers do step over the line, they should be dealt with. But at the same Agre- time, I completely agree. At the same time, the killing and all the stuff happening in the inner city that barely makes the news and is treated like, eh, you know, whatever. They're more of the same. I just I, th- that bothers me some. And there's I mean, Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge Parish, is likely going to have more than 100 murders this year. We already had 140 something last year. That is. That's insane. That's insane. Yes, I agree, 100. percent and for me, it all goes back to the lack of respect. And the respect is, starts at home, yeah. is taught at home. Yeah. But at the same time, if our kids and all the ones that are coming up behind us, or even for the folks of us now, if they don't see respect on the street mm-hmm. and they're not taught respect, mm-hmm. well, she doesn't, so-and-so doesn't respect so-and-so, so why should I? It's all about being a leader, yeah. not a follower. Oh yeah, you're 100 percent right. You can go. It goes back to the simple terms of you. Ha, you can have your opinion, but you still need to show respect. I I don't think there's any way that anybody can twist what you said to mean anything other than I, because I want to be respected, I, I offer respect to someone else. It Absolutely. just has to be the way that it works. Absolutely. And for the record, in my opinion, I think the overwhelming majority of law enforcement officers. Upwards of over 90% of them are men and women who go to work every day to do a good job and to be able to make it home. Absolutely. Having said that, I think the majority of the people in the inner city are not criminals. You know, just because people are poor doesn't mean they're going to be a criminal. No, right. However, the criminal element that's there, it's out of control. It's out of control. And we got to do something about that. Right. And so I think if you... And just my anecdotal sideline opinion, take it for what it's worth. If you allow law enforcement the opportunity to go in and deal with the criminal element. Now, let the church and the social groups who are who are charged with making that kind of good get in there and do their part. But cops need to go in and get the bad guys off the streets. Absolutely. That's what that's what that's their job. That's what they're here for. If you could have this is going to be very good. Let me tell y'all in advance of the question I'm about to ask that the answer is no doubt going to be better than the question. So if you had the opportunity to sit one-on-one with the mayor and she were to ask you two questions. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. So I, I'm, I, I already, my preamble is already living up to the question. Two questions. One, what do you think I can do specifically to come to common ground with law enforcement? That's question number one. And question number two would be, would you, Desha, work with me in trying to build a bridge? I'm going to answer those in reverse. I I knew you would. First and foremost, if she had the right intentions, 
then absolutely I would be 100% on board to do whatever I could to help you bridge the gap. Yes. First and foremost. But that goes back to respect, and you got to be honest. And I'm not quite certain that I would believe anything, anything that comes out of your mouth. Not because it has nothing to do with religion, race, creed, mm-hmm. nothing. It's the simple fact of I've heard you speak, but I haven't seen any action. Plain and simple. But to answer your first question, you need the thing that you need to do is you need to go to that academy and you need to sit in that classroom with those men and women for 22 damn weeks and you need to see what they go through, number one, to become a police officer. You need to run the mile. You need to put the boots on. You need to hit the pavement. You need to walk in their shoes before you try to tell them how to do their job. That's what you need to do. What about some of the other people who have who have offered comments about there are lots of people speaking on the subject about law enforcement and listen I count myself in that number okay because everybody who knows me knows that I am very pro law enforcement but at the same time I put my time my money and my intellect into helping in poorer parts of Baton Rouge and it is the truth and I and and so I'm I am actively involved and, and I don't mean this as a uh, either a humble brag or patting myself on the back what I'm saying is I'm trying to practice what I preach while I do support law enforcement and what I do I also make time for kids in tough tough situations Absolutely. And, and try to volunteer and, and I, I hardly ever tell people no only because I think if you're going to have opinions you need to at least be able to name opportunities you have had to make a difference and so I try to do that as not to be a hypocrite that's the only reason I'm bringing that up right but some of the people offering commentary are not involved, and I think they do more harm than good. Do Correct. you disagree with me? No, absolutely. Um, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And it, for me, it all goes back to one simple thing. You don't have to like what... Like is overrated. You don't have to like what policemen do, so <laughs> well, to speak. Well, I think you kind of But at the them. same time, guess what? If we didn't have these ladies and gentlemen, where would we be? Anarchy. And the second thing that I need to throw out there is it's simple. Again, it all goes back to respect. If you get pulled over by a police officer in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or Uh for that matter, probably anywhere, Uh if they tell you, they tell you to put your hands on the hood of a car, by all means, put your hands on the hood of the car. Comply. Comply. They ask you a question, you comply. It can be nice or we can play dirty. Yeah. They do hand-to-hand combat in the police academy for a reason. These guys have to be able to protect themselves on the street. Mm-hmm. I've talked to many of police officers who have been in the police department for many, many, many months. Yeah. Who have never one time ever pulled a pistol on anyone. Yeah. So it is. It is. It, it is a rarity that there are, in most cases, less than a dozen of those instances in an, in an entire year in a department that has over six hundred men and women working for it. And it's, I just think it's simple. We take a step back before we run to Facebook, we run to Twitter. I think you first have to understand what's happening. There's always two sides. Always. Every story. Always. And the sad thing about it is half these video clips that get blasted on Facebook. Yeah. They only show you what they want you to see. Well, that's, they don't show the other side. I'll give you the prime example. They don't example. show you from a different view. The thing in Minnesota uh, with Philando Castile, 
when I first saw, and, and that was the week before the assassination of the officers here. Correct. And I remembered seeing that video and thinking, "That's this looks bad. This is right. This looks awful. I don't know what the hell he was doing. It, it's like, what are you doing, man? I mean, my reaction was the cop was in the wrong. That was my initial reaction. And I said it here on the show. I'm just out, out there. And I said that. However, I'm always going to not close myself in because I've been in media so long that you know without the full perspective of an incident you can't come to a full conclusion about the incident so I kind of left myself that room and then the entire video comes out and you realize that the context was skewed because of everything and you saw the complete video and all that had gone on and then of course that changes perspective on it which is why You don't want to be someone who absolutely states emphatically, like I'll give you an example of one that nobody can explain away from me. The guy lying on the ground in Florida on his back and the cops shooting at him. I mean, come on, he's on his back. So it's like, I don't know what's going on there. That one to me, you can't explain. But again, I am not going to pretend or or like yourself, we don't sugarcoat. If it's wrong, it's wrong, call it. Exactly. But this thing that's happening now is doing more harm than good by driving a wedge between cops and inner city communities and then making every person in a uniform out to be a racist, fascist, bigot, and all these other and names it's the that father go... father from the truth. You can't do that. No, you can't. And so my, my, my hope is that the leaders, not just here but nationally, Everywhere. will reclaim control of this dialogue and get people to calm the hell down and let's fix what's broken and quit making up stories about things that are not broken. But in order for that to happen, the people who own all these media oh, well. companies or the news stations <laughs> okay, well, are going to have yeah. to get on board with that too because right. that's part of your problem as well because they only are yeah. they only showing things to get ratings to put money in their pocket rather than doing the right thing. We just need to get uh, we just need to get podcast 225 and every uh, people downloading it in droves in every state. Yes, in the absolutely. <laughs> I'm all about it. <laughs> so, all right. So I'll ask you this final question. I want to transition because I teased a couple of things last week that I have to get back to. Yes. One of which is the story of your daughter and her accuracy rate. In other words, uh, when the, I'm going to tease the story and then come back to what I was going to ask. In other words, you, if if you don't want certain information about what might be happening in the future, don't invite Desha over for dinner at the house because she's like a she's a seer. So we'll come back to that. But final, <laughs> final question about this. I'd like you to take a second to, on the other side of the bridge, as a pro-law enforcement person, as a Leo wife, you know, who suffered this tragedy, if you could speak across the chasm to the other side where the bridge needs to be built and you can say one thing to people without it being misinterpreted or whatever, trying to build a bridge, what would you say? I would just hope and pray that anybody on either side of the bridge would just let the walls down, let your heart, so- let your heart soften just a little bit, We want to hear what you have to say, but there's better ways of going about doing it. 
And there's probably some things that us on this side of the bridge, so to speak, that we don't know what's happening on your side of the bridge. Mm-hmm. However, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to sit at a table with you and listen to everything you have to say. And, you know, I want a solution just like you do. Mm-hmm. But the solution is not hating the one sole profession that is the mediator or they see things that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. The one sole profession that can help help us help y'all mm-hmm. basically is, you know, don't, don't be so judgmental. Don't automatically assume just because somebody has a badge that they're, a, that they're a horrible person because right. they're not right. Every person is human. We all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You as a person have made mistakes. Mm-hmm. So don't crucify our police officers just because of the, just as a whole. Because of the perception created by the media. Correct. Yeah. Take take each police police each police officer individually one by one. There you go. The same way that people want to be quote unquote judged is the same way they should use said judgment when dealing with others. Absolutely. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Absolutely. <clears throat> so now there were two stories about your daughter. <clears throat> same subject matter. And I'm just going to set this up by letting you start from the beginning and how she dealt with it. And then the whole thing, it's it, for lots of people who know you, they know the story. Right. For others, they're going to just think this is the most amazing doggone thing ever. But go ahead. Take the floor. All I, I will leave by saying this. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ himself after this, then I, I we need to pray for you tenfold. <laughs> so story goes... Um, you know, the horrific accident happened. Yes. Um, 17 days of, you know, protest. My husband and I, you know, I think any any person in that particular situation, one-on-one time with your spouse or son, daughter, whomever it might mm-hmm. be, was purposeful. Yeah. Um, 17 days, I watched him come in, you know, come home. He was tired. He was exhausted, you know, that kind of thing. But there was one particular day that I had a purpose, mm-hmm. and I set out for that purpose. <laughs> Nine months later, here we go. Here we are. <laughs> so anyway, with that. Wait a minute. That's not the story I was looking for. Anyway, going forward. So let's just lead off with that. Regardless of the situation, so here I am. <laughs> My husband. Oh, man. Even I didn't see that one coming. You got me. I got swerved on that one, too. Right, Go ahead. Okay. Go anyway, ahead. So anyway, like I said, it was per- there was purposeful, purposeful moments. Okay. I'm sure everybody, they know what I'm talking th- about. We're all somebody, adults. We're somebody, all adults Oh, absolutely. Here. And somebody's just adults trying here. to figure out how they're going to get their car out of the ditch after <laughs> laughing, <laughs> hearing that story. I apologize if you put your car in the ditch. That was not my intention. I'm just saying. <laughs> So anyway, with that being said, um, my husband's funeral was on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, you know, watched it, the whole nine yards, that kind of thing. Well, the day of my husband's funeral, I'm in my bedroom at home and, you know, I'm getting dressed mm-hmm. or attempting to get dressed. And I'm just having, I'm just like in that one of those, I just, ugh, like, yeah. I don't feel good. Yeah. I have a headache, you know. 
and my mom, you know, happened to be with me that day or whatever and that morning and she's trying to get dressed. You know, I have a house full of people trying to like rein my kids in to get everybody up and dressed and ready to go because we had to be at, you know, church for pretty early that morning so we sure. could have our last moments with Matt sure. um, before the public showed up. Um, and my daughter, you know, finally gets dressed or whatever. And I'm just, I'm basically complaining, complaining Sally that day. I'm every, you know, I'm just like, oh, I don't feel good. I don't want to do this. You know, I don't have anything to wear, la, 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 la. But so I'm, I'm in the process of getting dressed and my, my 10 year old walks in my bedroom and she stands there and I acknowledge that she walked in by looking at her, but she didn't say anything. So I just kept on doing what I normally do. Mm-hmm. And she had her arms crossed and my mama looks at me and I looked at my mom. Still, again, I didn't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden it's that mom. And I, so because of the way she said my name, I knew that whatever was to follow, I needed to pay attention because it was mm-hmm. going to be huge. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what, babe? You know, what's, what's on your mind? She said, mom with her hand on her hip and her eyebrows raised, she was like, I don't know why you were complaining right now because you were pregnant with my baby brother. And my mom looked at me and I looked at my mom and I said, girlfriend, shut up. Like, that is not something we need to be joking about the day we're about to bury your stepdad. Like, that is not even cool, child. She's like, I'm telling you, mom, wait and see. I'm telling you, you're pregnant and you're going to have a boy. I'm just letting you know. And she walks off. So I'm there, like standing there, and I look at the good Lord, and I said, "That's funny. That's hilarious. That's funny, God. That's that's ha ha jokes on me, right? <laughs> that's really funny." Yeah. So basically, in that moment, I just kind of took it, put it back in, I, I compartmentalized it, and yeah. I forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> my mom, you know, I wish I could have seen. I wish I could have taken a picture of my mom's face and probably mine because mm-hmm. it would have definitely been a huge Kodak moment. <laughs> But the reason why this was such a huge deal was because my daughter predicted her little sister That's right. prior to that as right. well. So this is not the first time that So she has that a track my, record. She has a track record yeah. already. Yeah. So when she spoke those words to me, it sent chills from the back of my spine to my toes. Mm. And it definitely got my attention. Yeah. But like I said, I just kind of dismissed it and we moved on. We had to get through this. Right. We had to, I had to be all 100% to get through this day, you know, yeah. the whole nine yards, whatever. Yeah. So for, fast forward two weeks later. <laughs> well, let me back up a step. So that the week after we buried my husband, yeah. very mad or whatever, my youngest, my four-year-old and I are at home and it was just a regular day. She was doing her thing. She was playing by herself and I was cleaning house or doing whatever it is I was doing. I think actually I was taking, we were actually, I was thinking I was taking a bath. We may have been taking, I don't remember okay. exactly yeah. whatever it was, but she's ta- like, she's having a conversation. So with her, with who I assume was her imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, something, something just told me to put my mom ears on. So I did. And I'm listening to her have this conversation and the conversation was getting pretty in depth. And I finally said, Finley, who are you talking to? She said, daddy and Jesus. And I said, oh, really? Well, what are you and Daddy and Jesus talking about? <laughs> right. And she looked at me with her hand on her hip. Baby, brother, and you tell me, Mama. And in that moment, I was like, holy S-H-I-T. Like, <laughs> well, hell, if you're going to speak one word, you meant. Go ahead. I'm like, holy shit, Batman. <laughs> like, are you kidding me right now? And I said, Finley Grace. Jeez. 
And she was like, what, Mom? She said, Dad's laughing at you right now. <laughs> and I said, oh, really? She said, yeah. She said, yeah, we're going to have a baby brother. I was like, okay. So I had to excuse myself from the to room. To go and... Uh, because yeah. I needed to go process. Yes, Because so this yes, is times yes. two, and yeah. I'm like, okay, Lord, yeah. I don't know what you're yeah. trying to tell me, but this is not funny. Yeah. Like, I, how am I going to rate, like, how am I, did, or automatically, without yeah. even knowing anything, yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, having a conversation, like, I'm arguing with a good Lord. Yeah. How am I going to raise three kids by myself? Right. What the hell am I going to do? Right. Really? Like, nine months of being pregnant without my husband? Yeah. He just got killed, like, yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. Are you kidding me right yeah. now? I'm like, Matt, that's not cool, dude. Yeah. Like, you you can't leave your wife hanging yeah. like that. Like, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. So, this is a dialogue I'm having with myself, Jesus Christ, and whoever wants to right. listen at right. the moment. Right. So, fast forward two weeks later. And my um, Uncle Tommy and my nanny decided they wanted to have a family, you know, get together, a gathering. Yeah. Just for us to just decompress, just to have fellowship with each other, you know, that kind of thing. So they decided they were going to fry fish at their house. Mm. So, um, and Dechelle, my cousin and I, you know, who's been my sidekick basically my entire life, she's like a big sister. Her and I had, you know, had conversations earlier in the week, um, you know, and... If anybody who knows me, I'm very hyper, and you know I, I have ADD tendencies, and it's a diagnosed ADD. Mm-hmm. It's not just in my head. Yeah. Um, and if you know me, when I'm able to focus, because I've taken my you know my proper medications mm-hmm. versus when I'm not, yeah. there's a huge yeah. there's a huge you know you can tell. Yeah. So she asked me. She said, "Um, have you taken your medicine today, by chance?" <laughs> Because I was just all over the place, like a ping pong ball, like, you know, and when I'm cleaning my house, it's like I'm not finishing. Yeah. I'm doing five things at once kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, and she was like, what? So I kind of, at that point, I finally had to come to terms with the fact that. Accepting the reality. The reality that I think my children could be right. Yeah. So I go back and look, you know, back at those 17 days. Yeah. And of course, that one moment yeah. of my yeah. My yes. purposeful moment. Yes. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Mm. I was like, wow. I was like, of all days. And it was not, that was that, in those 17 days, that was not my intentions. Wow. My intentions were just to have a moment with my husband. Yeah. Just because I felt like things were getting crazy. Yeah. And I needed that from him and he needed that from me because we needed to regroup. He needed yeah. to recharge. Yeah. He, you know, he had been 16 days plus at, you know, however many days it was, he was exhausted. You know what I'm saying? It was just one of those moments between a husband and wife. It had no, it was nothing more than just that. Mm-hmm. Here we are two weeks later. So, you know, I had kind of let her in on my little secret. Well, that day at the, the, you know, fish fry, it was at that point, it was, I was able to be able to actually take a test to be able to tell. So long story short, jackpot took the test. And I had to like literally sit on the floor because it didn't take but like a nanosecond mm-hmm. to ping mm-hmm. bright ring, but bright pink. Hello, pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know why you keep choosing me to pull all these, you know, to be strong situations, but this is going to be pretty tough. Like, I don't know. I, don't, I can't do this without you. I'm not going to be able to walk this walk without you. Like, this is huge. So I walked outside and I told the show, I said, I need you to come inside to come see something real quick. So she comes back inside. She looks at the test. So we have our moment in the bathroom together. And then I had a decision to make. I had to de- had to decide at that moment, do I go back outside and do I tell my family what I know? Or do I keep this from them for the next several weeks just until we get 
to at least week 12 just to, you know, make sure that this is going to be a viable, mm-hmm. you know, pregnancy, you know, that kind of thing. Because then yeah. the, those things start coming in your mind, yeah. wearing your mind, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I've had two miscarriages in the past. So, oh, wow. you know, it's one of those situations to where, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And I finally, like, I was like, you know what? So far, you know, I've I've got a huge support system. And, you know, it's one of those things where I, kept, I just kept it family first. And I was like, if something happened, I was like, surely the good Lord is not going to hand down this miracle. And then let something happen. Yeah. So I had just had to trust in the Lord that he was going to see us through and carry us through. And so I went back outside. My in-laws happened to be there with us that day. So I walked back outside and, you know, we I tell my family, you know, the news that I had just discovered not even 10 minutes earlier. And everybody, you know, had their reactions. Um, we Which called, I'm, I'm sure was a, a combination of astonishment, surprise, and joy. Some was, you know, angry that I was going to have to do this alone. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, it, it, everybody at the end of the day was very happy. Yeah. Um, my in-laws were extremely happy because Matt was the only, the last, the last boy. Mm. The, like he was it, you know, that to carry mm. on the Gerald last name. Yeah. So that was kind of like a little glimmer of hope for my, you know, my my father-in-law, and my mother-in-law for sure. Actually, I never thought about that, but you're yeah. absolutely right. Yes, because it was just him and his brother. That's it. Wow. They were the last two Geralds. Yeah. And his brother has two girls, two daughters, and yeah. that first was a daughter. Yeah. So we got a second chance, and so wow. of course, you know, that makes it that much that wow. even you know even bigger. Yeah. Because. Yes, we're going to carry on the legacy of Matt yep. Gerald. Yep. But wouldn't it be amazing if it could be a boy to yeah. help us carry on? Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, the thing from the beginning. Um, <laughs> and then the funnier part was is the day that I went to actually find out if we were going to have a boy. Hmm. Like I 100% banked all of my – I would have put all of my money on my two kids because they both said boy and yeah. they never wavered from day one. Yeah. But until I saw body parts on my own for my yeah. own eyes, yeah. I wasn't I didn't want to get too excited. Because I didn't want to be Sure, let down. Let down yeah. kind of thing. So the day that I found out and he, the baby was not cooperating that day at all. The only picture we got that day was of a body part. That was it. And it was obvious <laughs> from day one and I could not wait. Girl, you could tell a story. Yes, I cannot wait <laughs> oh, to man. to tell the world that not only do we have a miracle baby, but it's a boy. And my kids were right. So uh, if you don't believe, that's a book. If you don't believe after that, I can't help you. I I don't know what to do. I don't know what else I could say because I I can't I can't follow anything than better than the stories actually there were treats in that story that i didn't even know the first setup story for me was like i didn't see that one coming yes you did keep it clean and let me tell you something she's fiery and there is no filter as you've come to understand but man that was funny because i didn't see that coming so by the way i'm sure you've picked up some support and followers and all that stuff on social media as of late uh, so tell people who are hearing part two here again where they can find you on social media. Um, I am actually on Facebook and I also have Instagram. But like I said last time, um, if you really like legitimately want to be my friend on Facebook and I don't know who you are, you have to tell me who you are. And, oh, yeah. you know, like what are your intentions of becoming my friend yeah. on Facebook, so yeah. to speak? Yeah. Because sometimes it'll let you because mm-hmm. my page is, you know, pretty. I have it locked down pretty well. Yep. 
pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it won't let you even send me a friend request. Sometimes I have to send you one because it's happened to, it's kind of, it, 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 there's really no formula to it. Yeah. I've had people who were, hey, I want to be your friend on Facebook, but it won't let me send you a request. So I've had to send them, you know, a request, you know, for us to be able to, for yeah. them to be a part of, you know, Facebook or that kind of thing. Um, but again, like I said, I try to only post positive things on my Facebook page yeah. and, you know, and a lot of what I post is strictly just my friends, my, my friends, my kids, mm-hmm. you know, just growing up, just yeah. little snippets of my kids, you know, being my kid, you know, yeah. being kids yeah. and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, always, you know, making sure that I can honor my husband any way in shape or form that I can, you know, and, you know, keeping his memory alive. Let, letting the legacy live on however that shall, you know, however that needs to be done. I think you're going to do the hard work, and uh, this has been a pleasure. So you know we're going to have to do this more because it was part part one was fun, but part two was amazing because, again, there were a couple in there that even I didn't see coming. And I thought I knew that story, but there were a couple wrinkles I didn't know, and the setup was amazing. That was actually pretty funny. Well, i got to keep my, people on their toes. So have you me. had fun? Absolutely. Always. (laughs) Always. Well, thank you for being here. No problem. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. And now, today's Manners Minute. I recently heard the story of a jet fighter pilot, Charles Plum, who was forced to eject from his plane after being shot down in Vietnam in the 70s. Parachuting safely to the ground, he was captured and held by the enemy, but released a few years later and today speaks some of the lessons he learned. Long after his release, Plum unexpectedly met the man who packed his parachute before that fateful day. That encounter changed his life because he realized that he never took time to thank the members of his team who packed the parachutes or checked the engines or loaded supplies before a mission. He now spends his days encouraging all of us to remember the folks in our lives who pack our parachutes. Who does the little things for you that matter greatly? Choose respect and thank those around you for the little things. Visit hashtag BRRespect at mannersoftheheart.org to join the movement and sign the pledge with respect, Baton Rouge thrives. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Man, she can tell a story, huh? <laughs> she can tell a story. And, you know, I, or, I already knew that about her. In fact, some of the more funny stories that I've heard and some of the more colorful descriptions that she's given have not happened in front of a microphone, but I guess they could hear because this is a podcast and she could get away with it. But man, she is a clean pane of glass. What you see is what you get. And that's generally the way that goes. So we appreciate the feedback from you guys. And I'm sure that Desha appreciates all of the love and, and all of the 
words of support that so many of you have given her. Listen, you can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR and on Facebook forward slash ClayYoung. Always appreciate your feedback. I got a lot of feedback on my timeline about what I think the new Atlanta Falcons football stadium reminds me of. And I put a picture up there comparing it to what it reminds me of. So if you haven't seen it, go check that out. And I'm just saying, it's, it's a, maybe the architect was a fan of the thing that I have in the comparison picture. Such a big fan of it that he or she said, hey, I know what I'll do with this stadium. This is what I'll do. And it kind of looks like that picture that is on my timeline. All right, next week. Next week's show will feature the return of Detective Tom Lang. Detective Lang will be on the show to talk about the impending release of one Orenthal James Simpson. Detective Lang has already done a 48-hour special. He and I spoke about this last week, I think, and he told me he's already wrapped it up. It's going to air, I think, the Sunday of OJ's release because he gets out on the 1st, I believe, or some, somewhere around there. And he's already, he's already done that. And so it's going to air there. So we will talk next week about what will be in that 48-hour special because he is skeptical as to whether or not everything they shot will actually make it into the program. So we're going to talk about that next week with Detective Tom Lang. And listen, if you have a question for Detective Lang, something that we didn't catch in the three-part show about O.J. Simpson, email me. I'll ask him on the show. Clay at podcast225.com, just in the subject line, write Detective Lang, and I will make certain that he gets the question from you. I'm looking forward to that conversation with him next week. And as always, we appreciate you listening. Please spread the word about our show. Tell people where we are. Tell them how they can get us. I also encourage you to listen to the Waiting Room podcast here on podcast225.com. The ladies are about to reach their milestone of 20 shows because they do their shows a couple of times a month. And I think they're getting better and better and the subjects are getting better and better. So be on the lookout for episode 20 next week and episode 21 is on the horizon as well. That'll be the first Tuesday in October, which is just around the corner. All right, you guys be safe out there. It's a crazy time right now. You know, at some point, I think I want to do a show about social media and the impact it's having on society. My goodness. I don't know. People go nutball on on social media now and just unbelievable. Rest assured, one of the great days I've had last year was when I discovered you can unfollow people on Facebook. That was indeed a great day. It was. You guys take it easy. Catch you next time here on The Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Later. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.